Hello and welcome to a new series of episodes called Film Flashbacks on the Auto Archives podcast. The basic format is, each episode we select a year at random from the last 30 years, talk briefly about that year in movies, our least favourites, our top five, along with some honourable mentions and other recommendations. Starting things off, we begin with the year guest Max Todd and I were both born, 1989, the year in which we saw the birth of The Simpsons, the Nintendo Game Boy was released, and the Berlin Wall was finally torn down along to the sultry tones of David Hasselhoff. It was also a great year for film. Listen now to hear Max and I share our views of the movies that were released in 1989. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Max, um, thanks for coming back for another episode. How are we doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. So today we're going to trial a new sort of series of episodes where we're basically going to take one year from the time we've been alive on this planet um, and just kind of discuss the year briefly and uh, discuss our least favourite film of that year and then quickly go through our top five uh movies of that year and then do some honorable mentions the kind of any that didn't quite make the list and just discuss them uh briefly so today we're going to start with the year of our birth so we're going to show our age now uh of 1989 so i haven't you know really dep- do you know really depressing you know when you fill out an online form now and it's got a scroll thing where you pick the year you were born yeah it takes longer and longer <laughs> to scroll to find 1989 like yeah and also the age bracket you know when you realize you're out <laughs> yeah. of the one before and it's like oh no i'm in the 30 to 40 bracket now and the and the text on the website seems to get bigger as well like oh you may not be able to read this like <laughs> yeah exactly um so i guess this has paid off for me for being such a film nerd because i've been recording my scores and films i've watched for over a decade on things like IMDb and Letterboxd. So it's quite handy to kind of reference those apps to see what films were released that yeah, year. I, and then, I, re- I really need to start doing that. It is, it is easier because there's a lot where I've gone, oh yeah, that's that that was this year and that was this year, which at a quick glance, I, you know, say now in 89, I wouldn't have thought of them. So mm. it's quite handy. So I've been kind of diving through and filtering down the, the ones from 1989 good, bad and ugly, um, which is very handy for this episode. So I thought we'd start off with um, our least favourite, get that out of the way, um, and then we can sort of go on to our, our favourites. So I'll put it to you first then, um, based on sort of looking through ahead of this episode, what have you kind of got down as your, not worst, but perhaps least favourite film of this of 1989? So... Uh... I, I think I said to you, like, I think looking through a couple of sources, I think it I worked out, I've watched about 16, 17 films that were released in 89, which I thought was a bit, I thought there'd be more, but uh, oh well. Um, but yeah, so I, I did the same as you. I kind of whittled down to like, okay, this is what I watched. This is what I enjoyed. And then this is what I like 
truly loved. Um, the things that didn't make the cut straight away, and I would say it, not a sec, not necessarily the worst, but the one that kind of leaves the most sour taste, I suppose. Mm. Ghostbusters two. Ooh, okay, that's my number one. Is it no, really? No, it's not. Oh, God. Thank God for that. Oh my God, I was going to say that would be a very, very awkward. Yeah, no, it's not. But, but yeah, I just think uh, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those rare things where such an amazing first film, and then like when you've got such a cult following, and you get to that sequel point of view, it's almost better in most cases. Not, oh, mm. sorry, not sorry, not in most cases, but it'll be better or just as good as the first one. And this, you know, Ghostbusters 2 is a very, very weird film. And, like, when you read up about it and stuff like that and how much sort of conflict and back and forth there was on, like, whether or not they were even going to make it, let alone, you know, the final decisions that made, in, you know, into the film itself. It's just a bit of a letdown compared to the first one. Um, is this the one but, where they've got, they get into, like, the uh, the torch of the Statue of Liberty? Is it that one? Yeah, yeah. And they have the, uh, what's it, uh, the... The haunted painting of Vigo, Vigo the what is it? Vigo the what is it? The um, the Slayer or something like that. And yeah. it's just, yeah, it's just a very, yeah, it's a very disappointing sequel. And that for what is probably one of the most iconic films ever. It's just a very disappointing sequel that kind of you know kind of doesn't Live have, up to have the necessarily. First one. Yeah, it doesn't have necessarily the same charm and stuff. And it, um, yeah, I think very very forgettable compared to its predecessor so that nice. is kind of my my least favorite one if you will or the kind of disappointing one of 18 nice okay cool so i had two um so the first one is the fly two so similar <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much the same as uh, your explanation for ghostbusters so the fly one with jeff goldblum being incredible absolutely love it david cronenberg film and then the fly two i mean i can't I haven't watched that. I've only ever watched it once. I had the sort of double box set DVD of both those films. I think I threw away the second one because I didn't <laughs> like it that much. Um, but yeah, it's just a bit forgettable when it was almost like, let's just make a sequel. Um, yeah. It just didn't have any, it didn't need it really. And the other one is um, Pet Cemetery. Okay. So I watched, I watched these back to front. I watched the remake of Pet Cemetery, which was out two years ago. And yeah, I thought I think it was 2018, weren't it? Yeah, I thought it was it was good. It was a decent enough horror, nothing substantial really, but it was passable. So I thought, oh, I'll go and buy the original as well, and then kind of compare it. And it's just it's just crap. It's really dated. Um, yeah, and I it's think a lot. Got, it's got like a. I mean, spoilers for anyone who gives a shit about. A, it's uh, got a different death, isn't it? Well, yeah, but the killer is in the original is the baby. Or not the baby, but he's like one or two years old. And yeah. it's like, it's just not believable. I mean, I know it's a horror and it's made up, but even how they like, how they like try to make this baby look deadly and ki uh, a killer, it's just like, no, sorry. And you've lost me all up to that point. It just doesn't really. It's, it's like, it's like it, isn't it? Like when you look at yeah it compared to now like what it was back in there it's probably you know it was probably quite terrifying back then because it was in some ways not revolutionary but it was you know it was a uh it was the kind of first of its kind sort of thing in some ways but then when yeah. you look back you go that is super cheesy and super yeah. lame and stuff like that but i guess that's because we are in some ways so desensitized to these much more you know 
horrible creatures and designs and mu- mm. much more re- much more realistic quotation yeah. marks, real realistic creatures and stuff like that rather than just badly poorly put on makeup and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so I, 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 I do effects. wonder if I dislike it more because I've saw the more recent one first, so I've got a more up to date version of that story, even though they've slightly changed it because the one they have two kids and the other kid, the in the original the younger kid gets killed and that's who they bring back to life. Mm. That's kind of the, the whole plot of Pet Cemetery is that you can bury your loved ones and pets and they come back to life, but not quite the same. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it, I wouldn't go back to it again anyway. Fair any, anytime Fair soon. Enough. <laughs> um, so moving on to our top five. So I'll start with my number five. Okay. And as I said at the start, it's so tough for me um, to kind of whittle these down because there were quite a few sort of five star, four and a half star movies that I had to try and cram into this top five. So according to Letterboxd, I saw tw- I've seen 28 films that were released in 1989. Okay. Um, and yeah, struggled with my number five. I think my number three, um, which obviously come to, are interchangeable based on my mood. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it depends if I'm feeling pretentious or, I'm, or not really. <laughs> Uh, but I'll go with my number five and my number five is my left foot with (laughs) um, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis it's just so I mean this was my introduction I think to Daniel Day-Lewis I've only I think I've seen this a couple of times now and I I just taken back by how amazing his acting is I remember um I think uh, Phil mentioned on another podcast or certainly in the chats we've had about how Daniel Delius was so in character. He was getting yeah, like, stagehands and like, extras to take him off uh, out, out of um, at the end of each scene because he was so into the character that he was as playing as Christy Brown, this kind of uh, guy who was suffering from cerebral palsy and takes himself, his, his roles so seriously that he pretty much becomes those... Those the characters. true method actor. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just it was my introduction, like I said, to him as an actor, um, and then obviously he's gone on to do things like There Will Be Blood, and just has continued to be one of my favourite actors, albeit that he's not done. I think it's fair to say that many films compared to sort of the caliber of actor he is. I think it's fair to say. I mean, he's done, you know, Gangs in New York, Lost in the Mohicans, mm. um, In the Name of the Father as well as another brilliant film that he Oh, made. that's brilliant. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. only seen that once. Um, but yeah, that is a that is a brutal film as well. That is yeah. a... Br- Absolutely fantastic film. And then most recently, I think it would have been his last one was Phantom Thread, which again was fantastic. But yeah, so I've my number five I've got down as My Left Foot is... Have you seen My Left Foot? I haven't. Not my, no, li- I've heard... not my literal left foot. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've, I've, uh, I've, I know of it, but I've never, I've never seen it. No. Yeah, I, w- I would recommend it if, if only to see sort of Daniel Day Lewis's performance in that. He's just so committed to the role, and it's almost like you're kind of watching a documentary to a degree, because he's like he's, you know, at this point when I, like I said, when I first watched it, I wasn't aware of him, so I, ass- yeah. I maybe wrongly assumed that he did have cerebral palsy because he's that believable um but yeah i mean that that just for me is just shows how how great acting can be to kind of not fool you but you know 
that is that is acting to me to be a completely different person to what he is in, in real life. I, th- I think there's been a few films that I'm probably you know probably the same where you've seen an actor uh, for the first time, mm. and you've had to research afterwards. Is that really what they're like, or is that really yeah. like? Um, God, I can't remember. Uh, mm, that's going to annoy me now. There was a there was a ki- there was a film about a kid that came out a couple of years ago, and I, I I wanted to research to see if it was really the kid who played that part, and it wasn't. It was you know, and it was like that young actor. It, it was it was a kid with like um, facial deformity. Yeah, I know which film you're on about. It's, I think it's Julia Roberts, isn't it? And it's the Sorry, kid. Yeah, it's the kid from Room. That's it. Yes, that's it. Yeah, and I, was like, and that's it. I thought, you know, was it the actual kid that played the part? And it wasn't. And I was like, blimey, that like that was such a good performance from such a good actor from sorry, from such a young actor to play such a difficult role. And, you know, almost to the point where you believe that there was, you know, that was actually, you know, uh, his condition or actually the person it was based on. Um, but, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's a true testament to an actor's ability. If you can really get so enthralled in their performance that you actually believe that they are the person they're playing as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so my number five was my left foot. So what have you got down as your number five for 1989? This one I'm going to breeze through because I've mentioned this a thousand times before on other podcasts and so I'm not going to keep boring everybody with it. My number five is the 1989 Tim Burton Batman film. I thought it'd be Uh, in here. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't not include it and stuff like that. I think it's absolutely brilliant. You know, I've talked about it enough on other, other, other episodes before, but I love the Tim Burton's, you know, adaptations of the Batmans. I think this is absolutely brilliant. Uh, Michael Keaton is probably the best Batman, and I'm really excited that he potentially could be returning um, in future DC films as, a, as an older version of uh, Bruce Wayne, which is very, very exciting. Um, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, absolutely brilliant. I just, I think... So yeah, funny. Yeah, it's, it's such a good film, such a uh, such a dark adaptation of the you know the Batman character on, on a on a live action. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just great. So that is that is my my number five of nineteen eighty nine. Nice. It's not in my list. It is in my honourable mentions, but again, it's not not because it's bad. It's just not quite up there top five no. for me. But yeah, I do love Batman, and Jack Nicholson is is fantastic in that, and the Prince soundtrack. Let's not forget that. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, so okay so my number four is um, another film that um, well is a film that I've only actually seen once but is so so good and I in in fact looking at this list again uh, this week I've I've penciled it in to 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 watch this again Um, it's Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing oh okay um, which is is so good so it's Spike Lee's a weird director for me in the sense that I haven't actually seen that much of him. I've kind of seen bits here and there and it's, I guess, no real reason. Um, and I've got loads of his films on my watch list. I've got Malcolm X lined up and she's got to have it lined up and 25th hour, which I've been dying to see. It's always been uh, one of those uh, with films. Ed Norton. Yeah. It's always been one That's of those films. It's like, why have I not watched this yet? Yeah. Um, I think the first film I saw was he got game, which is um, a Denzel film, which is great. And I was seeing that in college. And then it was Do the Right Thing was one of those films. It was like, what? This is, everyone's talking about this. This is one of the greatest is it an films. Anthology? Is it an anthology film? Not really, no. So it's almost like, so it's based on this 
it's like the hottest day of the year. It, do you know what it's, I was going to say? It's a very relevant story to kind of current climate in America, I think. Okay, well, okay. Another reason to kind of, I want to watch it to see how close to the knuckle it is to current um, the, the state in America, basically. So it's the hottest day of the year, and basically there's loads of hate and bigotry going on for different reasons in this street in, in Brooklyn. And um, it just kind of culminates along with this, you know, hot is sweaty. It, all these people are agitated for dip yeah. various reasons. And it just over, it explodes and everyone, you know, it goes into violence and all these other things. And it's just the style of it as well. I remember the intro is, is fantastic. Um, and again, I think it has the fight the power intro at the start, which is quite an iconic scene mm. now. Um, and you've got Samuel Jackson in there, who's kind of like the, the local DJ, who's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of those ones again. I was like, wow, I really need to, I need to watch this again. Um, and I, I would, I can't really say this is Spike Lee at his best because I can't, I haven't seen enough of his to mm. know what, it, uh, you know, what is his best. But again, from speaking to other people that have seen this, like more of his back catalogue of films, this is the one that seems to stand out uh, amongst the rest. So, yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic film and I can't wait to go and watch that again. Um, I don't know what you have then got for your number four. <laughs> so this is good. <laughs> this is taking a bit of a completely 180 here to, to what your yours is, but my number four is... Wallace and Gromit's A Grand Day Out. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh, but it's in my honourable mentions because it's so good. Oh, mate, I remember. Uh, so they used, play, they used to play like the Wallace, well, they still do, I think. They play the Wallace and Gromit's films at Christmas on BBC. Mm. And it used to be, it was like a family like thing at Christmas. We would sit down and watch the Wallace and Gromit films and stuff like that. I remember the first time watching this and like just being absolutely, first of all, like it's, you know, it's amazing the claymation, the animation, stuff like that. All the little, you know, the sets and the, the little jokes, the gadgets, every, all of everything is just amazing. But like, I remember as a kid being absolutely terrified of that robot that lives on the moon. <laughs> Me too. And like, you know, it was just, it was just this bizarre, bizarre story. Of them, you know, they run out of cheese, so they build a <laughs> rocket to go to the moon because the moon is made out of cheese. And there's this robot that lives on the moon that has this like he, he keeps having this dream that he wants to ski and it's just such a it's such a weird weird thing and I remember just absolutely loving it as a kid and you know I can watch it anytime it comes on but like again it was you know I, I can't believe that that is nearly 30 years old I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's an Oscar winner as well I'm pretty sure it's Ooh, it's really? I'm sure it's even nominated or one I, I definitely like know a short that short film perhaps maybe or... yeah I'm, I'm sure it's I'm sure it, I, I should have looked into it I'm sure it's won an Academy Award um but the yeah i think it's just an obscure story the animation is absolutely brilliant and like i said you know that the the robot that wants that wants nothing more than to ski and stop people stealing the moon is just absolutely terrifying Mate, there's actually like... a really emotional scene in that with that robot where he's like he they get away and he's like yeah he's trying to get through the rocket isn't he and yeah. he's like and then he the bit of metal that he's grabbed off the rocket, he turns into skis. That's <laughs> skis, it. He, skis on the mountains of cheese. It's so yeah, good. It just gets to live out his dream, like his life for the you know being able to ski on these pieces of metal that he ripped off the rocket and stuff like that. And it's just, it's such a bizarre story, but I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's one of those things where you know I can watch it time and time again because it's yeah. just such a 
it's a you know it's a little gags it's a little funny bits and like i said I, I love the claymation behind it as well yeah um but yeah that was that was my my number four grand day nice. out wallace and gromit nice. love it and also yeah led on to watching obviously the other short films that they've done like close Shave, oh, yeah which is my personal favorite and i the, love close and the, wrong, the, the wrong trousers oh, well, just oh like yeah the penguin one yeah that's mate, great as that, well you know that that'll probably be my list when we do that year but like the wrong trousers you talk about that the 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 uh, train set chase at the end like that i think <laughs> that must have i think that took him like six months alone to film because it just it's such a such an iconic thing looking yeah back at and that. taking but, so uh, long to, to oh, do gotcha. nice one that is a great shout to be fair um so moving on to my number three so <laughs> I think this is going to be in your list. I'm definitely sure it's going to be in your list. Um, like I said, my top three, I can't, they're all number ones to me, but I've obviously got to put them in some order. Okay. Um, so my number three, I mean, it's definitely in your list, is uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's my number one. <laughs> is it? I thought it yeah. would be. Um, do, you, do we talk about it now or do you want to save it for when it's your no, number no, one? Yeah. No, you talk about, let's talk about it now. Okay, so again, if I could put all of these at number one, I would because this is just so, so good. Um, I watched it again relatively recently since Sean Connery passed earlier. I say early this year, but it's not the end of last year. God. Um, so yeah, I watched it recently because of that and um, it just still holds up it's absolutely brilliant it's an absolute masterpiece it's one of spielberg's best um harrison ford maybe his best as well and they just harrison ford just works so well with connery as his dad yeah the relationship they're, they're, is they're just such polar opposites i think that's the best thing about it as well like it's that it's that classic thing of like imagine if your dad came to work with you kind of thing or like it's you know obviously you work with you know you work at the same place as your dad so you know it's like but like but like it's that whole thing about dad just oh can i can we just can we just go and get this thing for the nazis please like can you stop messing around can we just like but yeah yeah i think it's i think it's such a great it's almost like a buddy comedy isn't it With, like him and his yeah. dad like it's it's but great it's, it's great because you've gone from raiders which was obviously nazis and then temple of doom which they kind of went away from that um and then they brought the whole nazi trope back in again for the third film um and I think everyone just likes cheering against Nazis, really. Yeah. So, and, and but yeah, going back to their relationship, I think that is pretty much the backbone of the whole film. If that wasn't that chemistry wasn't there, I don't know if it'd have gone over as well. But yeah, I think it's it's funny. The action set pieces is so many. I love the um, the the bit where Connery is in the back of the plane and he shoots like the, <laughs> yeah. the back like of the plane oh, up yeah. and he's like oh we've been shot. <laughs> it's like no, you, you've done that. I, and the I, and I, the bit with the um the umbrella when yeah he, they land and he like opens the umbrella and scares the birds into the plane. I think it's just brilliant. I love the bit when um uh what was it the uh when when he gets to the castle to save his dad. And uh, the title of the chair is like, how did you know that she was a Nazi? And it, like Sean Connery he goes, she talks in her sleep. And Harrison Ford just uh, does a double take. I'm like, hang on a second, what? Like, because <laughs> like, he, because he, you know, he, he obviously slept with her in uh, what was it? Is it Venice, wasn't it? Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, his dad's obviously had a bit as well, but he just made me laugh. And just like, how did you know he's an Aussie? She talks in their sleep. It's like, hang on, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's just, there's just there's so a many... Bit, there's yeah. a bit after that as well, where she's like, oh, um, you know, your, your kisses are amazing. And he's like, oh, thank yeah, you. They both, thank they you. both say, <laughs> they both like, say thank, thank you. you. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's I think, so fun. I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a, like a... Uh, Again, I th- I almost feel like that's probably almost you could hot take it and say it's almost as the best of the trilogy. Oh yeah, hands down, it is my absolute like, favorite. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark is great, but it's it's a very good story. It's a very good setup. It's a very good first chapter of that yeah. trilogy. But like Last Crusade, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. I think like you've got yeah, you've got the great duo of um, obviously you know, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford in that film. I think just a lot a lot more of the stuff around the Holy Grail and like the the, the yeah. bits around that. I think they're a lot more iconic and a lot more I think like from if you, if you talk about Raiders Raiders of the Lost Ark, everybody knows the you know the the, the bait and switch with the with the the cut oh, sorry the um the uh the piece at the start and then the the boulder chase and all that. They yeah. kind of know that. Yeah. And that's that's almost kind of it. To a point, from from how memorable this is, but I think with Last Crusade, there's a lot more memorable moments and a lot more callbacks. I, I to think it there's as a well. bit more emotional weight to it because you've got the father son relationship. When he gets shot at the end, it's oh, yeah. kind of like I remember certainly as a kid watching it, being like, "Oh wow!" Like he needs to, you know. I, I felt much more invested in in this one than the others. Not because they're bad, but they're more action films. Whereas yeah. this is an action film with a bit more heart to it, maybe. Um, but I always loved the trial scene at the end. Like even now, though the graphics are slightly dated, you know the bit where he's like, "You got to have faith," and he steps like a leap of yeah. faith, and, and then he throws like, up the rocks over to yeah. see. And I was like, "It's still great. I love that whole piece." And then I just loved the um, the night at the end. Yeah, <laughs> he's just been he's... waiting there for like hundreds of years. I, awesome. I I just love the Saki like. He chose poorly. <laughs> like, like, just like <laughs> he chose poorly. But the, um, but yeah, like you know, obviously the, because you've got right at the start of the film, you've got young Indiana Jones, uh, yeah. played played by River Phoenix. Yes, it, I yeah. believe. Yeah, and and you know, even even there, you have got the shots of him with his diary, you know, and his studies on the Holy Grail, and there's bits in it where you know, Indiana talks about how the Holy Grail was always his. Uh, obsession he you know he didn't really raise me as a he, he was too busy yeah looking for the grail that was his that was his life work I was just a I was just a side project kind of thing so it was nice to you know the fact that he had to go rescue his dad mm-hmm. but he's also following on his work yeah. at first it's kind of you know not I don't want to this that's his work I'm, I'm not going to get into his obsession but I'm on this journey now as well but yeah, when obviously when it, you know when he gets shot on that, and he ha- you know he has to carry on his dad's work, he has to carry on this yeah. this journey because it's his it's his dad's life's work, and it, it you know whether his dad lives or dies depends on him carrying out this work as well. And it um, yeah. I, I love the um, the background to it. So when you're saying about River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones, it, this film tells you a lot of how Indiana Jones got various things. So what I mean is like. They show you how he got the hat. So there yeah. was a there's kind of a character that in the you start chase. Jones, yeah, yeah, you think it's him, and he has the same look, and you realise he's actually kind of been passed on. He gives him the it hat as kind of museum. Yes, it 
and it, they kind of he gives him the hat as like passing the baton of like respect maybe yeah he gives him the hat and he also gets the whip thing and the cut which is the um that's the right, scar the that Hans like genuinely it. has yeah he gives himself from the whip and like the whip becomes a a, a thing that a, a, you know a prop that Indiana Jones has so all that stuff are just like it's pure fan service but I ate it up every yeah. time. Um, and- and you say about the emotion of it as well, the, that very last, you know, obviously the, the knight explains that you can't take the grail past the, the, the seal at the, the opening of the, the cave and that. Yeah. And they try and take it out and obviously the, the, the floor falls apart and Indiana Jones has, has a choice of getting the grail, you know, getting the grail or, you know, his dad saving him and, you know, his dad saying like, just leave it. Like it's, it's not yeah. worth it. I, I like you, Indiana? you know, yeah, it's like, you're the most important thing to me. Don't worry about the grail. And it's not again. It's nice because you like you know, you you get built up this whole time that that was his life's work and that the reason they don't get along is because they've always had this you know this sort of difficult relationship. But when it comes to it, he's like like I said you know, he means more than he 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 means more than what is supposed to be his life work. And I think that's just a yeah. just a, a very nice. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I agree. It adds that emotion. It adds that feeling level to what is essentially an action adventure yeah. film as well so it's it, it it adds that adds a little bit more to it definitely i'd agree with that um so so that is my number three in brackets it's actually my joint number one but what have you got down as your number three so my number three is roadhouse oh okay here we go i fucking <laughs> love this film like it is just it, it it is just, it's one of these films that like is quintessential 80s action where it just mm. takes, it takes a bouncer, the story of a guy being a bouncer and just turns into the coolest, oh, just like over the top, brilliant, brilliant film. And it just, you know, there's, so it's, uh, so for those who haven't seen it, it's Patrick Swayze. He's a nightclub bouncer. He's like one of the best in the industry. And he gets hired by a guy who owns a nightclub, but it's a bit rough. And he wants Patrick Swayze to come basically bounce, you know, be the, be the head bouncer, clean it up and turn it back into a bit more of a respectable place. And, you know, straight away he comes in, he fires most of the staff because they are dealing drugs. They're stealing stuff from the register. They're, you know, they're basically causing a lot of the issues that, you know, mm. why this nightclub is horrible. And there's a guy that basically runs the town he's very crooked he's got his gangs and stuff like that and you know he deals a lot of drugs and it's you know it, it just there's there's so there's so much of that like i said quintessential 80s stuff that just makes it so brilliant and you know the the bad guy's got he's got all the money he's got the big house he's got yeah, the henchmen yeah. as well but there's like this it's, it's the one liners it's the it's the, again it's all those brilliant parts of it being an 80s action film that are brilliant there's one bit when um so uh patrick squeeze's character his like mentor the guy who taught him to be the bouncer he is is played by uh is it sam uh i can't think it's uh sure i don't want to say sam neil it's um i can't remember remember the guy's name but he's he's like he's like his mentor his sensei for being a bouncer and he and he you know he says that i'm getting this nightclub back together oh is it sam elliott that's it, Sam Elliott. That's it. Oh yeah, I and, remember. And uh, he says, you know, come help me out. You know, I need your, I need your help. I need you to come and, you know, just make this place a little bit better. 
And uh, there's a bit when Patrick Swayze is getting the shit kicked out of him outside by this, like this, these henchmen as they're, you know, stopping this beer delivery to the nightclub. And Sam Elliott's character turns up, and uh, one of the henchmen is like, "You here to fight?" And he just goes, "Well, not here to show you my dick." <laughs> just like, <laughs> it's, it's like, what? Like, oh, it's such I a. You were. It's, yeah, it's like you're here to fight him. Well, I'm not here to show you my dick. It's just such a such a throwaway comment and it's, it's again just so brilliant and there's a bit when uh you know there's again there's this massive fight scene at the end where one of the henchmen burns down patrick swayze's girlfriend's uncle's repair shop and there's you know they have this fight where he jumps off a motorcycle and again it's that 80s like macho fight and stuff like that and the the henchman grabs him and goes to like i think he goes to stab him and he says something to patrick swayze like I used to fuck guys like you in prison. I was like, cool. and then, and then, and then Patrick Swayze rips his throat out. I thought He's I like, was going to say, I'm sure that memory of being pretty brutal. And I was like, does he rip someone's throat out? I remember that yeah. was the bit where I was like, oh shit, we're going down the, this route. And the funny, the, the thing about the film is that it just keeps escalating. So like I said, it starts with him just like looking after this nightclub, getting it, you know, there's a few fights and stuff like that. And then it just escalates to the point where like, there's a monster truck involved. They drive <laughs> through a car dealership and there's guys getting their throats ripped out. And there's, it just keeps escalating. And it's just, it's just such a, you have to, you know, if you haven't watched it, you have to watch it. Cause it's just, it's got romance. It's got action. It's got, it's got Terry Funk. It's got Terry Funk. Terry yeah, Funk, the wrestlers in it. Yeah. He's one of the henchmen in that. And there's one, there's one again, just, you know, when he's trying to clean up the place and how like how you know but much of a dive it is there's one bit when um this guy's like hey i'll give you 20 bucks and you can touch my my girl's tits and this guy's like oh yeah like he's like you know he's like it's like it's like okay what are you doing he's like why are you, why are you smiling why are you laughing he's like i haven't got 20 dollars on me like it's just, it's just it's just it's it's just so ridiculous it's just it's but again, it's it's one of those so over the top ridiculous films. But it's just so so good as well. If you just want yeah. like a a no brainer eighties action watch with Patrick Swayze in it, and he's just, he, he is absolutely brilliant in it as well. But, um, nice. but yeah, so that is that is my number three nineteen eighty nice. movie. Nice one. That is uh, that is a good shout. I remember that is. I've only seen the once, but I remember thinking it was a lot more fun than I thought before yeah. watching it. Um, and more brutal as well so yeah good shout um so again going on to my number two again it purely depends on what mood i'm in um so this would be my pretentious movie pick um and my number two is i'm not sure you've heard of it it's called the cook the, F the thief his wife and her lover it's a bit of a, uh, okay. a mouthful uh, it's directed by peter greenaway um and the sequel to Tinker Tailor <laughs> Butcher the Baker, the candlestick maker. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. I honestly, firstly, recommend it. It's, um, it's basically about a wife of an abusive criminal that's played by Michael Gambon. Um, and he is incredible. He's, he's, a, he's brilliant in this as an actor in the sense that he's playing a character that you just cannot stand. Mm. He's just such an arsehole. Um, but he's, you know, Michael Gambon, and you've no doubt seen him in various other films. He's just that that kind of intimidating character, even just to mm. look at. And, and he just absolutely 
epitomizes it in this film as kind of this this gangster that runs this restaurant um and his wife is played by helen mirren who by this point i can't honestly say i've seen much helen mirren sort of in her earlier in her career and actually she's really great in this and basically what the film's about is she's had enough of her abusive husband that's the criminal and she basically uh falls into arms of a another regular um customer that goes to the restaurant and it's so it's kind of a love story but it's it's surrounded by uh, uh murder and revenge and it's, it's essentially a revenge story uh, i won't spoil it for this because i would 100% recommend it if you're able to get it I think it's quite I don't know if it's on streaming services or whatever but the finale and the revenge that that um is taken I try not to spoil it it's like almost jaw-dropping I was like I cannot believe this is this is <laughs> it I mean this is my I would say it's like old boy level shocking oh wow okay um yeah it's like oh I could not and it is kind of the climax of the film so I I, I didn't even go hint as to what it's about but okay, let's just okay. say like That's it's cool. massive revenge and almost to the point where it's like yeah yeah that is yeah it's it's absolutely brilliant it's just really well done as well on how it's shot so if i can kind of like visualize it for people who li- who are listening and yourself it's almost like they're all sets so um and, and they're sort of you go from left to right so it's all kind of oh okay you see what i mean it's almost like um a stage show like- is it almost like one shot in some aspects, but it's almost in like almost like a closed circuit kind of thing? No, you know, like you've got like those those scenes in films like a tracking shot where you're following someone through a house and they go through a wall, but it's actually the next room that's yes. part of the set. Yes, yes, so yes. there's there's four areas of that. There's outside, there's uh, the kitchen where the cook is, and and there's a, the bathroom where various scenes happen, and then you've got the actual restaurant itself. So okay. it's almost like kind of like reservoir dogs in that there's not much outside of that they're wrote you're only in this area and they're all got different colors so the the restaurant is red and it usually signifies like love and uh, murder and blood and stuff like that and then the the bathroom from what i remember is all white and it's like pure and innocent and it and um a lot of mise-en-scene yeah this yeah this is the nerd alert coming in Uh, (laughs) and the, the, the the, the kitchen is um, green, so there's a lot of like jealousy and lust and stuff like that. And all it tends to be whatever happens in those rooms is reminiscent of those colour schemes. And it's, okay. it's all those arty stuff. It is, an, I guess, an art house film, um, a British art but it adds house to the, film. It, but it adds to the emotion and the, the feeling of them. Yeah, but the there's scene, just more layers to it. And I've seen it a few times and it's like, there's so much to read into it. Um, I mean, it's an 18. It is very brutal. There's a lot of sex in there as well. A lot of nudity, which is always good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it just blew me away as to a, a film that I didn't really know much about. And again, I've said this to you and other people before. I feel like sometimes those are the films that you remember more so or cherish more when you haven't had any sort of context before and you've gone in kind of on a whim and just been absolutely blown away. So... Yeah, I mean, for me, again, this would be par with number one. Um, but it's it's one film that I don't think is talked about enough. I certainly hadn't heard about it much before I'd seen it. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, if you're able to get your hands on it, I, I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised and really enjoy it, especially the revenge aspect. 
um, because you kind of do get invested in this love story that Helen Mirren finds this new man and you know Michael Gambon is such a bastard that you can't it's almost like a Shakespearean play in parts mm. there that these big characters that you can't you know you absolutely detest the criminal side of it and actually there's a young um Tim Roth is in this as one of his little gangsters okay um but yeah I, I strongly recommend it uh it's an absolute five star for me and yeah that's my uh, number two I love a good I love a good revenge film and you say that about like the, the ending being so shocking oh yes you, you you think of films like the skin I live in where it's on par it, with that mate I'm telling it's a revenge you. revenge story and I won't ruin the ending but again I remember watching that being like oh yeah. my god like like you said jaw drop like okay yep they got their revenge that's yep they exactly got what they wanted I, I would that's a great shout as another revenge I remember watching that Skin I Live In as well. I think after you'd seen it and you had, I didn't know the twist. Yeah. And that was one of the few times I've actually watched a film alone and shouted, oh my God. Yeah. Um, and, I think- and same with this. I would put that, I would put Skin I Live In, this film and Old Boy together as revenge films that have made me go, holy shit. Yeah. When it all, when it all clicks and you realise what's happened and you just go like, you just mesmerised that just the extent of that person's journey to get that revenge and stuff but that's cool though i i i I love i love films like that where like you said you get very invested in the character and the payoff is very satisfying so i'll I'll have to check that out yeah and like i said you can come into this and appreciate just for the story and you can come into this as a film film nerd and read loads of in loads Mm. into it of what the film is trying to say in various different ways through the medium of cinema so that you can enjoy it on various different levels um and yeah I would. Uh, I'm more than happy to lend you the Blu-ray as well if it comes to it. Um, so look at the old streaming as well. See what's yeah, on there. Definitely. So yeah, that's my number two. So what have you got as number two? I feel like I feel like we've done another 180, mate. You, you're you're going to these quite deep. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. We're just you know different <laughs> yeah, films. No, it's, it's fair enough. So my number two is, and I had to, I had to rewatch this when I found out this was 89. I had to rewatch this because I love it, and it, it's a film my dad absolutely, you know, he, he got me into it, and I absolutely adore it. It's uh, see no evil, hear no evil. Oh, so I've not seen this, so go ahead. St- starring Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, and it is, uh, oh my god, it's it's hilarious. So uh, Gene Wilder plays a deaf man, and Richard, uh, sorry, Richard Pryor is blind. And they get framed for murder. And it's just, again, it's just such a, uh, you know, it's just a silly, you know, American comedy and stuff like that. And it's got a very young, uh, you might, I don't know if you want to edit out the name when I said it, but Kevin Spacey. Uh, yeah, blur got, it out. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, blur that out. <laughs> but yeah, he plays, he plays the villain in it. And it's just, it's, it's just such a, again, it's one of those films where, I've got a lot of nostalgia behind it because my, you know, like I said, my dad love, love, loves it as well. And he got me, you know, to watch it as a kid and stuff like that. And we watched it, you know, whenever it was on TV and that. But again, it's just, it's one of those, um, it's, it's not dated in any way. Like it doesn't, it doesn't kind of poke fun at the, at their handicaps at all in right. the sense of like, you know, yes, they, you know, they have challenges, but it doesn't poke fun at it, you know, that, that much which is i'm not i wouldn't say rare but about 30 years ago i don't think we were as pc or as yeah. you know that as as we are now 
but it doesn't poke fun at it. It doesn't make it seem like it's a you know a horrible thing to have. It just adds to the 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 hijinks of obviously you know their situation and stuff. But it's it's just some of the you know some of the again some of the one-liners, some of the gags, some of the things that you know the the, the moments they get into. It's just absolutely brilliant. Like there's a bit when uh, when they get arrested and uh, Gene Wilder's character can lip read, but he has to be obviously looking at the person and they're trying to take his photo for like the, you know, the sort of the, um, you know, with like the height chart, you know, take your photo. And uh, it, again, I can't, I can't do it justice without watching it, but just how angry the woman photographer is getting, trying to get his attention while Richard Pryor's talking to him and stuff like that. It's just, it's just silly little things like that. It just, I just remember and some of the one liners are just, brilliant but Richard Pryor you know him and Gene Wilder made you know a few films together like Stir Crazy yeah that's um, the one I have seen Stir Crazy yeah and it's just you know they're, they're a brilliant double act together and this I think this is their I think this was the I think this might have been the last film they did together okay um but it is just yeah absolutely absolutely brilliant and I love I lo- absolutely love Gene Wilder you know he uh one of my favorite films as a kid Willy Wonka he'd been yeah. obviously brilliant in that uh, young Frankenstein, I absolutely adore. <laughs> absolutely adore I love that. Film. You know, I got to see that at the cinema a couple of years ago when they re-released it. I was, oh, absolutely nice. loved seeing that. But he's just he's absolutely brilliant in that. But this is just, again, one of those kind of, um, it's you know, again, it's funny because, you know, the, it's, the, it's the little things that you kind of take for granted now, but back in the day would have been a big deal. Like, you know, they have to find a payphone. They have to find a payphone. It's like, there's no like <laughs> mobile phone all these kind of you know all these things that you know you, you kind of take, take for granted now. now yeah yeah and that's the thing you know it was it's quite funny the little nostalgic bits and bobs and stuff like that and um you know obviously it's set in new york as well which is obviously always a always a great thing but there's there's just one bit you know that always makes me laugh when uh they steal a police car and they crash it into a barge that's um heading towards a landfill site and uh richard Pryor says you know I'm, I'm really sorry. And Jim Wilder says, you know, it's fine. It's fine. You know, we, you know, we, we got away safely. We're fine. It's like, I'm just more annoyed that we're sat in seven tons of shit, like going to the landfill site. And Richard Pryor just goes, Oh, is that what that is? Sorry. I, I thought you shit yourself. I didn't want to say anything. Like it was just, it's just, it's just, you know, it, again, not doing it any justice and stuff, but it's, it's such a great, again, buddy comedy, absolutely brilliant. And yeah, that, that, you know, a lot of nostalgia behind it. And that, uh, yeah, that is my number two. Nice. Um, so that kind of leads quite nicely into my number one, which I think you probably will know um by oh, now yeah I would, if, <laughs> if 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 your number one is not what i think it is then yeah I, I would be very very surprised yeah so my number one and this is probably sacrilege based on the caliber of films i've already mentioned but hey it's my list uh my number one is bill and ted's excellent yes, adventure of course, of course. Um, it's just i mean look everyone has their childhood one film that is untouchable and this is mine. Um, gotcha. I've watched this so many times. I mean, we watched. I watched it again with Bill and Ted Three that we reviewed last year. In prep for that again, just as an excuse to watch it. Really, uh, I know you remember at that time. That was the first time you'd seen it, which I was uh, mm. slightly annoyed. I loved by. it. I thought. I, th- I thought it was great. I thought you know it was. Um, you've obviously seen it a lot more times than I have, and bigger fan but i loved it I, th- I thought it was one of those films where i probably would have appreciated it more as a kid 
but I still very much appreciate it and very, very, very much enjoyed it as a as a grown up as well. Yeah, I I just yeah, it will always hold a special place in my heart. I, it's one, it is the film I you know. I think we said in that same episode, like a lot of people that I've spoken to, Back to the Future was their time travel childhood film. Yeah. And I was always like, well, no, it's Bill and Ted. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. just so much, it, I, for me, because I, I, I feel the same perhaps you feel for Bill and Ted when I watched Back to the Future. I was perhaps too old that I didn't appreciate it as much as if I did as watching it as a kid. But, but Bill and Ted is just so much fun. Um, you know, Keanu Reeves... <laughs> you know just like you know early days um and alex winter as well they they know what the role is they're having a laugh doing it um it's great fun the music is great the soundtrack is so good i've often got that still on spotify tucked away in my movies uh playlist somewhere um i just loved as well at the time i was really into history and obviously the whole point of well, the plot of the film is that they need to do a history report um, by the end of the school year or the college mm. year, and um, it's what the what the historical characters would feel like if they were modern day, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah, that was. They've kind of been given a an essay, and then they stumble across this telephone booth that can take them to any any point in history, and in the future they're like you know, deemed as these you know, like world saviors and the world leading characters. And they just like, I can't believe it. You know, this is way before. You know, yeah. They're, that, two, slack, you know, they're just, two, two slackers from California that hit the big yeah. time and actually, actually are, you know, key to the, the, the savior of the universe. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, the whole, like you said, you've got the, um, the time traveling phone booth, similar to, you know, kind of doctor who in a sense mm. and how it appears and stuff. Um, but, you know, they go, go through various different times in history and bring them back to the modern day to, and various other different timelines. They get um, Socrates, who they call Socrates, which still makes me laugh now. Billy the Kid, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Genghis Khan, Joan of Arc, like all these well-known historical figures. And they bring him back into the modern day. Oh, and Napoleon as well, which is probably the funniest one. Is it Beethoven as well? Uh, or Mozart, you know, it is, um, yeah, Beethoven, which they call Beef Oven. That's it. <laughs> I love Napoleon, so I love Napoleon, and it was it they take him to the water park, uh, was it Waterloo? That's it, yeah, <laughs> it's just so funny. And he's just like, they basically get Spill and Ted leave him with, like, I don't know if it's like They're, his nephews or something, it's, or it's with Bill's younger, younger brother, isn't it? That's it, and they just like yeah. just entertain him, just look after him. And you just like, you know, it's completely fish out of water. Like he's just been taken from the Battle of Waterloo into California in 1989. And he's just like, what is happening? And he's like being fed this ice cream, which is the Ziggy Pig. Yeah. Thing. And he's taken to the water slide, which he just absolutely loves by the end of it. He's just like, again, again. It's just hilarious. It's just fun. It's just, it's just great fun. Um, and I think my favourite scene in probably the whole film is um, where they've brought all of these historical figures to modern day or 1989, and they let loose around this you know classic 80s shopping mall, yeah. and they're all they're all doing different things like 
Beethoven goes into a music shop and he's playing the keyboard and all these yep. people are turning up and watching him play and fascinated by him and and um, Genghis Khan goes to like a martial arts store, doesn't he? Or a sports yeah, stop, store, he gets yeah. A, he gets a baseball and he's just smacking heads of mannequins off. And Joan of Arc takes over like an exercise um, That's it. Uh, class and, you know, it, 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 it's ridiculous pace. Um, and then you've got like um, Socrates and Billy the Kid just like running away from the police. It's just, <laughs> it's just I mean, saying that out loud is just, is, is hilarious. Um, but yeah, I think the, Bringing it back, the reason why it's number one, like I said, it's the untouchable childhood film that mm. anyone can put holes in and I'll go, yeah, but, you know, it's my favourite. So, selfishly, and obviously for my list, that is uh, my number one. I, I am glad that when you did watch it, you did enjoy it on some level. Mm. And I do appreciate the whole, you know, we might, might have missed the boat on having that child nostalgia thing. So, you know, for me, that is that is the the go-to film for, for the nostalgia, 100%. Yeah, so that is our top five list, which we've got through relatively quickly. I know we were saying we'll go through our honourable mentions. So I've, I don't know if you want to start, because I kind of took the limelight of your number one quite early. So I don't know if you want That's to right. go through your uh, honourable mentions. So my honourable mentions. So one of my honourable mentions was was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, the other ones were The Burbs. Oh, I've not seen. It's Tom Hanks, right? Yes, very, very. Again, very good film. Uh, Tom Hanks is part of a neighbourhood watch, and these creep. You know, the, there's this house on the neighbourhood that everybody has. You know, everybody has stories about, like, oh, this person lived there, and they do this to people, and you know, all the, you know classic you know that sort of oh, there's that there's that one house in the neighborhood you don't go near and like everybody's plotting against this neighbor but tom hanks is like the only person that's like just leave him alone let's let's try and make friends with him and it's just yeah brilliant brilliant film um, um, i'll put that on the last uh, the last the list even because i that's another you? one no yeah i i'll um, to I watch it yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah that is good uh uncle buck yeah this is on mine as well Absolutely brilliant. Uh, with a very, very young Macaulay Culkin. Um, yes. Back to the Future 2. Yeah, so which... I, I haven't put that in because I don't remember that one as much. No, neither do I. I've only ever seen... I've only ever seen 2 and 3. I think maybe once or twice each as well. I've seen, mm. obviously, the first one a dozen times, but but not um, but not as, as much as, obviously, the first. But obviously still, still quite a good one, and it's quite funny when people... You know, when they compare future Biff to Donald Trump, because it seems to be a scary, <laughs> scary, scary, scary amount of comparisons between the two characters, and also. Oh, I need to. Uh, I didn't know about that. I have to look into that. But um, yeah, there's like, there's like a lot of comparisons between Biff the millionaire, you know, yeah. hor horrible person, and Donald Trump, and that, which is quite funny when you look at some of the comparisons. And this is the one with the hoverboard as well, isn't it? And That's it. Uh, is it didn't they their future date? Has yeah, passed. Was it 2016? I think it was 20. I'm, I think it was 2017. I right, think it was okay. 2017. Yes, that's that's passed now and stuff like that. But it is because they did a. They did. I forget who it was. I think Buzzfeed or someone did an article. It's like the things that were in that film that actually have happened now. So they were like, uh... um, I think like new Pepsi. I think the hoverboard to a degree. The self-tying shoes. There's all different things that have have worked out, and like 3D movies when he gets attacked by the 
Jaws 5 3D models and stuff like that and like how popular they are and you know there's, there's quite cool little throwbacks and stuff but yeah check out the Donald Trump Biff comparisons it is yeah, quite funny and the other one which uh, is actually uh, I've only ever seen it a couple of times but I'm you know Little Mermaid yeah it's good it's fine Little Mermaid it's got some it's got some banging tunes in it you know <laughs> under, under the under the sea classic you know so yeah that that's that's one of my little honorable mentions nice that's a good good list um so yeah a lot of mine a lot of similarities in mind so the ones we got the same i've put uncle buck which is great and john candy yeah. is hilarious in that oh, the good, bit yeah. as well when he tells the woman to get a rat to gnaw the face, <laughs> yeah, the, off uh, her face. The, the principal that's it it's yeah, just yeah. brilliant i think he's just yeah it's possibly my favourite John Candy film. I don't know. I have to think about that. Whoa, whoa. Cool run-ins. Come on. Yeah, but John Candy's like the centrepiece in this, isn't he? Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, don't go wrong. Cool run-ins is fucking great. Um, <laughs> Batman as well. We said that. Great. Grand Day Out as well. Fantastic. Um, so there's a few others I've got outside of those. So just quickly go through them. So Kiki's Delivery Service, which is an early Steve okay, yeah. Ghibli film. Um, which I think was actually the second one I ever saw after Spirited Away, um, which is really good, really good fun. And that's on Netflix as well. So if you do, if you or anyone listening likes Studio Ghibli, yeah, films, I think that's, that is a good I one. Think that's one of the, I think it's one of the ones I haven't watched. Yeah, it's I've, good I've fun. It. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It, see, these are the films where, or this is the sort of film where it's like, okay, so you like this film of Disney, then you should also like this Studio yeah. Ghibli film. So. They do go hand in hand in a sense. Um, Dead Poet Society. Have you seen that? Okay. No. I, again, that's that's been on my list for like the longest time. So I know it's, of it, but never seen it. It's great. Again, Robin Williams in a semi-serious role. I don't think it's one of those films as well that I don't know if anyone else could have pulled that off as well as him because he has yeah. that line of uh, you know funny character, but can be serious almost. Um, you know, it's easy to empathise his characters. You know, I always think of One Hour Photo as well as another one. Oh, that God, is. I love that. I love that film. I love him in that film so well, much. Well, no doubt. I think that was out in 2002. So no doubt that might come up in one of our future yeah. episodes to uh, to talk about. But yeah, he's, he's great in that. Um, a really obscure film that I like for the reason that it's just fucking crazy. Um, it's called Tetsuo the Iron Man. And um, the less <laughs> okay. you know about it, the better, because I don't really want to describe it. But basically, it's about a metal fetishist okay. <laughs> who likes being able to merge his body with metal and become half man, half robot. Um, is this... Is this Iron? Are you talking about Iron Man? Because that's no, that's, no. Uh, <laughs> is, is his name Tony Stark? Like, is this? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I've read it. This is the wrong, the wrong film. Um, but yeah, I mean, all I would say is YouTube the trailer, and okay. you, yeah, it's get arrested. <laughs> yeah, it's it's honestly fucking mental. It's one of those films. It's like. I'm just going to slowly push this back onto the DVD shelf and never watch again. I'm just going to slowly burn this DVD yeah. out in the garden in the middle of the night. Like... It is. I, I, and the reason why I've put it in here is, is just I've not seen anything like it. It has got a sequel, which I'm really scared to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly... So it's, it's... An origin, so it's an origin story is what you're saying. There's actually, you know, that's an origin story <laughs> one and it leads on to... 
Yeah, I was a bit disappointed when the actual, you know, Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man came out <laughs> and it wasn't this. You thought it was a, you thought it was an American remake, you, like Honestly, yeah, it's yeah, I honestly after this, watch the trailer and be like, Okay, like okay. Um, okay. But yeah, it is mental and um it's almost like the, what I would compare it to is um they it's like the Japanese version of uh David Lynch's Eraserhead. In, okay. you know, they're both in black and white and they're both just images on them that you've never seen elsewhere and kind of haunt you forever um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah maybe it's not recommend but um yeah 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 perfect sunday evening yeah um so a few others uh born on the 4th of july tom cruise uh, okay. Film. okay uh really good i've only seen it a couple of times um, and it's one another one that's a, a Tom Cruise film that isn't really it's another film that isn't really certainly not in talked about enough I think from a Tom Cruise acting perspective uh, in short it's a biography film about Ron Kovic who was paralyzed in Vietnam I was gonna his, say I did, yeah. I did I never I never knew it was a true story until recently because when I was looking at the list uh, of films I, I, I saw that I, I never I never knew that that was a a true story film. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think I, I, I watched it a few years ago. I'm pretty sure he's sort of like a classic actor, worked closely mm. with people involved. Um, but yeah, it's basically he gets paralysed at Vietnam quite early in the film, but it's more about the anti-war protests and the human rights side of it that he was um, a part of because, you know, the similar stories you may have seen in other war films where, you know, they're wounded in war and once they come back home, they're not really treated as heroes. They're just kind of, you know, get on with it. Um, So it kind of feeds on to those sorts of, of um, uh, things really and covers those issues. Um, And then lastly is a Bond film, which I was surprised. I thought you would have might've thrown this in, in your one uh, license to kill. Oh, I didn't realize that was 89. Yeah. Actually, it, no, actually, no, sorry, tell a lie. No, tell a lie. I did know that. That was one of the ones that didn't make the cut. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought oh, we've spoken before and you thought this was yeah, a Yeah, I'm one. not... Yeah, it is. It is, but I think it's because I'm not really... I'm not a Dalton guy. Right, okay. Interesting. So, it's... Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a Dalton guy. Like, it, it, he, I thought he was okay as Bond, but it's not... It's not a memorable bond for me. I, I don't think his bonds are very memorable to me. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll probably, in our bond episodes, we'll probably cover that at some point in the future, But so I won't go into too much detail, but yeah. it is one I remember enjoying, at least, anyway. Um, so, yeah, those are my honourable mentions. So, yeah, I think we've got through that relatively well. We've talked about quite a lot. If, see, it's think, I think it's fair to say... 1989 had a lot of good films. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel like these episodes we we might end up having very similar things based on what we watch and stuff like that. But I think as time goes on, more recent years we probably have a bigger, you know, where where we've yeah. gotten older, we've had more time to go to the cinema and buy DVDs and more streaming stuff like that. Obviously, the number of films will grow, but so it'll be interesting to see how things kind of whittle down. Yeah, as it, time goes on. Exactly. That. Once once we get to those ages of, you know, we're old enough to go to the cinema to see everything yeah. that's out, um, we're more than likely to see a lot more than we have in the I early think, years. I think there's going to be some very tough years. I, like, But for both of us, I think there's going to be some very, very difficult years to like really 
make a cut. And so there's going to be a lot of honourable mentions, put it that way. I think there's going to be yeah. some very difficult years of stuff. There's, there's definitely film. There's definitely years where there's a, a high nostalgia level and a really good film level in the same same thing as well. So I think it, it was going to be very interesting to see some of the films that we have and you know how difficult it's going to be to make those decisions which brings me on nicely so <laughs> yeah so so what we're doing on each episode at the end is we're going to put the remaining uh years left in a random number generator to randomly pick us the next year to talk talk about in the next episode so i have put those numbers in and the year we're going to cover on the next episode ooh, is uh, 2006. Ooh, now, okay. I haven't got the films in front of me, but off the top of my head, I won't say the films, actually, but I remember being this this being a very good year. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, certainly around 2006, 2007, and maybe they're blurring in my head as to what falls where, but um, I think this is going to be a good one. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I think we'll have, we'll go away and obviously do do this all again, but for two thousand and six. Yeah, thanks again for your for your no, time. Thanks today. for having me. I think Always it was a quite a good chat. I, I liked actually that we had a bit of a mixed list, so we covered quite a few different areas. So, which is uh, hopefully we'll keep that up as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks I'm again. Good. I'm going to go watch the Tetsu Iron Man trailer and then... Oh, yeah, and then you won't speak to me again. Then then burn my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, please do. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But yeah, thanks again, and um, speak to you on the next one. I look forward to it, man. See, See you soon.